morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans, and welcome to episode 56 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. As always, I'm your host. I will go ahead and start off the show the same way we do every week, and that's with the breakdown. So, you know, by now, if you're not familiar with the breakdown, kind of the weekly roundup of, of big news uh, in the rugby world. Of course, folks in North America, USA Rugby, Colorado, but we talk about world rugby as well. Um, so this week, we'll start the breakdown off with what I assume every rugby publication rugby podcast going to start their show off with it's the it's the hot topic in, in the streets in the internet this week um, and that's the big old feature piece in the guardian entitled major league rugby faces a pandemic and corrosive politics written by martin pangeli so it's dropped early wednesday morning i was not expecting to see this when i woke up on wednesday morning um, but i've read it a few times printed it out it's pretty long it's 10 pages uh, but i've read through it three times now uh, kind of in preparation for this podcast, and I'll go ahead and give you some of my takes on it. Um, so I guess first of all, this is something that I really don't know much about. I don't know about the inner workings of uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff of what kind of goes on in the boardrooms and owners and, uh, you know, these different groups that are, you know, throwing money around to do this, and I don't know anything about all that at all. I can say that honestly and truthfully. Um, I have, you know, of course, I've heard things here and there, talking to people, reading stuff um, about this topic in particular and, you know, about, you know, why the Raptors left and all that. But but to be quite honest, I don't know what's true and what isn't true. And I don't even know how you would get to the bottom of that, to be quite honest. Uh, a lot of the stuff that this article touches on is stuff that I have heard before, you know, here or there. But again, you don't. I don't know what's true and what's not. Um, I think it's kind of weird that, in a way, that this kind of came out because, I mean, overall, the Ra- I mean, the Raptors are gone, right? It seems like what's done is done. It's been six months, six, seven months, yeah, six months and since uh, the Raptors made the announcement, you know, the league's moving in one direction. They've already got, the, you know, their next season planned out. They've got the new teams that have joined. Um, they've re-divided up the conferences. So they're moving in one direction. Glendale's obviously moving this other direction, as we we know. We've had Mark Bullock on the show talking about the Rugby Town Crossover Academy. Um, so, I, I mean, I honestly thought it's kind of been like a relatively clean split, which is why it's it's kind of surprising to see some of this stuff start to come out. Some, you know, we'll, I, but, you know, it's been it's been six months. So maybe is now the, now is the time when, when some of this stuff will kind of start coming out um, regarding the split and what's kind of been going on behind the scenes in the eyes of some people and, you know, I don't know. But uh, I, do, I do think it's kind of weird, like, in that regard, MLR has never put out a statement about the departure of the Raptors, um, which is kind of weird. I think if you look across some of the other league, like the NFL comes to mind, for example, when the Washington football team rebranded to the Washington football team, anything kind of – regarding one of their members, like the NFL puts out a statement. Uh, MLR never did that, which I do think is kind of odd. But like I said, what it's done is done. The the two organizations, for lack of a better term, are moving in different directions now. Um, so that is kind of why I think it's kind of weird to see this. But maybe on the other hand, as I'm talking it out, it's not that weird because it has been, you know, enough time has passed by that maybe it is, you know, people think it's the right time to – come out and say these things that have been on their mind. So uh, one of the things I do find kind of interesting about this article, though, is the reaction that's kind of been going on on the Internet this last day or so. 
Uh, it just seems like people really, really don't like when anyone questions the validity of the things that MLR says or looks into the moves they make at all. And I'm not even saying that from you know this article alone because this article has, from what I've seen, has been picked apart and it seems to be pretty fair in some cases. It's not a flawless article and because of that, the flush that exists should be pointed out. But it, but it is kind of, I just have noticed that that seems to be how it goes when uh, anything like this, ha anything questioning the, the validity of, of some of the stuff in MLR comes out, it just gets ripped down um, immediately, holes get poked through it immediately. And I just don't, I don't know, I just try my best to keep an open mind uh, I know that nothing's perfect. MLR is not going to be perfect. The stuff that people come out against MLR is not going to be perfect and and flawless in the logic and, you know, not completely true. But I just try to keep an open mind. I think the truth's always somewhere in the middle, and, and the truth eventually always comes out uh, in the wash. So, you know, Glendale's going in one direction. Uh, MLR's going in the other direction. And, and up until this point, there hasn't even – seemed like much of a much of a rift in in the months since the announcement was made that anything's going on so finally kind of find that a little bit interesting but like I said that's kind of that's kind of my take on that so uh moving on to the next little bit of MLR news uh in relation to this article I would assume MLR dropped a video right after the story came out entitled State of the League uh, in which Commissioner George Killebrew states that they're in conversations with nine more teams for 2022, which, again, just kind of goes to my point. They're they're doing their own thing. Glendale's doing their own thing. Um, I mean, what's done is done. What I don't, yeah, that just kind of solidifies my point from, from the last point of news. Um, then some other MLR news. Old Glory DC announced today on Thursday morning that they're moving venues and will play all their home matches at Segra Field which is a soccer-specific stadium in Leesburg, Virginia, and is home to Loudoun United FC of the USL Championship. So I didn't get a chance to watch much of Old Glory DC this season just for the sheer amount of teams and how busy I was covering the Raptors to the best of my ability, but I saw enough of their two home matches that they played to tell that those football lines that were on their pitch uh, made watching the match hard on that old pitch, and I can imagine that it's pretty confusing to play on that as well when there's a whole bunch of different lines. So good for them. The new stadium looks really cool. Uh, I think it will, you know, improve the the product on the TV, on the streams, uh, and I'm sure the, the product on the field as well, uh, playing on a, a legit field with legit lines and all that stuff. So congrats to them. That looks like that will be a good move for them moving forward. Um, and with that, that will wrap up our MLR portion of this week's breakdown. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump into the second part of the breakdown, which will be the Premiership Rugby Update. So if you've been listening to the show, if you've been following along, we've been keeping an eye on Wasps for the last week or so as they've dealt with some COVID issues. That was potentially going to keep them from playing in the Premiership Final against Exeter Chiefs this weekend. So the good news is that they got the all clear and will play against the Chiefs in the final on Saturday at 11 a.m. I think they got that news like on Wednesday morning at like 2.30 in the morning or something like that. Uh, but the bad news is they will be down 11 players, and it sounds like at least four of those players that they will be missing would have been in the 23-man match day roster, so that's obviously not ideal. But on the other hand, it's good that they'll at least get to be able to play the match. So. Uh, you can catch that match on NBC Sports Gold at sa on Saturday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Uh, I think that will be on NBC Sports Gold. It looks like they've been shuffling around their 
coverage and stuff, trying to get people on the Peacock app and the Peacock subscription, which I signed up for just to make sure I can watch this stuff. Um, I think it's like five bucks a month, but it'll either be on NBC Sports or the Peacock app. Uh, you're just going to have to track that one down yourself, be a game time uh, move. Uh, so that's the Premiership Rugby update. So we'll go ahead and jump into the Guinness Pro 14. So no Guinness Pro 14 last weekend, but they're back on this weekend. So we've got Leinster versus Ibre uh, on Friday at 12.35 p.m. Then Benetton versus Scarlets at 1.15 p.m. tomorrow on Friday afternoon. And then on Saturday, we've got Ospreys versus Glasgow Warriors at 10.30 a.m. Ulster versus Dragons at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday or excuse me, 9 a.m. on Sunday, and then Edinburgh versus Connacht Rugby at 1.35 p.m. on Sunday, and then Munster versus Cardiff Blues on Monday at 2.15 p.m. So all those matches can be streamed on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, nice little bit of rugby to mix in with your football watching this weekend. And then with that, we're going to jump to the Six Nations Cup. There's a lot of rugby on this weekend, so we'll continue with the Six Nations Cup. So that can that continues on Saturday. It'll pick up in the last match of round four between Ireland and Italy. So round four came to a screeching halt back in March due to the planet Earth shutting down due to COVID. So the last match that happened in the Six Nations Cup was Scotland versus France back on March 8th. So they're kind of picking up. They got uh, one match this weekend, and they'll finish with three more matches next weekend. So as I mentioned, Ireland will play Italy on Saturday at 8.30 a.m., uh, mountain time and that match will be broadcast on the peacock app it looks like that one is preloaded into peacock while the premiership final was not so i think that one will be able to you'll be able to watch that in the peacock app so next little bit of rugby we've got for the breakdown and other fixtures we got the world tens getting rolling this weekend uh, if you listen to the show we talked about the ohio aviators on the show a few weeks ago on uh, that three-week tournaments get started at 7 a.m mountain time on sunday I haven't seen any broadcast information just yet, but I'll keep my eyes peeled for that. And, of course, we'll share that with you on Twitter if I see it. Uh, I know the, the World 10 Series tournament, whatever, was supposed to get started on Saturday, uh, but they're in the middle of a hurricane, it sounds like. So they're holding out hope that they'll be able to start it on Sunday. So it sounds like the first two days of the tournament will be Sunday, Monday, and then we'll continue on Saturday of the following weekend, Halloween weekend. Uh, so keep my eyes on broadcast information on that. I might try to write something about that series today have that ready to go for saturday so hopefully some more information comes out and I'll provide you all with that next little bit of rugby uh, we've got the lions premier 15s so for the people looking to watch some women's rugby this weekend it's kind of happening across the pond the lions premier 15s enters round three this weekend and you will be able to watch round three uh, you'll be able to one watch one match in round three and that'll be uh worcester warriors Women versus Wasps FC Ladies, and that'll be on Saturday, October 24th at 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and that will be live streamed on Premier15s.com, Premier15s Twitter account, as well as England Rugby's YouTube and Facebook pages. So there's a lot of different ways you can stream that match. Uh, yeah, like I said, that that competition's in round three, and if you're looking to watch some women's rugby, that's the place to do it. Um, so with that, that kind of wraps up our breakdown. There's a lot of rugby going on in the this weekend, a lot of interesting rugby stuff happening uh, all week, of course, that we've touched on, but uh, that kind of wraps up what's going on this weekend. So with that, uh, we'll go ahead and jump into the interview portion of the show. 
Um, very excited for this interview, for this conversation with uh, prop for the USA Women's National 15s and 7s team, Hope Rogers. Uh, Hope's a four-time national champion at Penn State, never lost a game in college on United States soil. Uh, she's got 17 caps for the Eagles. She was a key part of the United States teams that took that fourth-place finish at the 2017 Rugby World Cup. Uh, had a wonderful conversation with Hope. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you all do too. So with that, we'll go ahead and kick it to my conversation uh, with prop for the United States Women's National 15-7 team, Hope Rogers. All right, now welcome on to the show, USA Eagle, Hope Rogers. Hope, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Thank you again, Hope, for uh, taking the time out of your day to come chat with me. So uh, first question is always the easiest one. It's one we ask everyone that comes on the show. Is just, Can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm I'm from Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. Awesome. So. Yeah, and then uh, the next question we usually ask people is, how did you get into rugby? And I know um, I've read somewhere that, that you thought you were trying out for lacrosse or something like that. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, so what happened was um, I was in high school, and my friend and I were seen, um, in, like, a study hall, and we had some announcements come over the board um, or, like, the TV during the time, and it was just saying that, you know, there was a rugby team for women that had just formed um, the previous year. So it was only one year old. Um, and they were just, you know, looking for people who might be interested. And my friend and I was like, oh, rugby, like, that'd be fun. But like, to me, in my head, I was thinking it was lacrosse. And I know it's probably a common mistake. And I feel so bad that I fall into that category. But I uh, shamelessly do. And um, anyways, we like go out to our practice, the first practice together. And you know, I've realized that, oh, it's, uh, <laughs> there's no sticks here. It's just <laughs> one bigger ball that looks a little bit bigger than a football. Yeah. But. Well, Hope, with the resume that you've built, I think you're forgiven. That's okay. Right. We can move <laughs> that far, right? I appreciate that. I yes. appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so, Hope, what other sports did you play before you began playing rugby? Because I've also read that you could throw a discus pretty far. Did you do anything <laughs> else? Um, so I actually twirled a baton, um, oh. when I was younger through, um, sixth grade actually for a few years. And then in sixth grade, I kind of was like, yeah, this really isn't my thing. Um, I, and I think I was probably trying to quit sooner, but, um, I finally was able to stop doing it in sixth grade. Um, and then I actually played a year of junior high basketball. Uh -huh. Um, I was, you know, I kind of played the bench warmer position, yeah. uh, mostly got a few touches. I, I was a little too physical. Uh, I yeah. drew a couple, um, you know, uh, cards or whatever, with a penalties, whatever they're called. Yeah. I don't even remember anymore. Um, or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I actually got into rugby, um, before, um, track and field. Okay. Um, so then I started playing rugby and then my senior year of high school, I was um, taking like a couple of gym classes because I'd done most of my credits. So I was had like three gym classes because I loved it. Um, and one of those was a strength and conditioning class. And I was in the gym lifting when um, the throwing coach had come in and, and saw me lifting and was like asking about me. And I was like, oh, I'm a senior. Like I play rugby. I also mm -hmm. work a job. He's like, oh, we'll work with it. And so <laughs> my senior year. Um, I actually got to throw. I, I mainly threw shot put and discus. Yeah. Um, I did a little bit of javelin, but he just wanted me to focus on like two since it was, you know, you ha you have to pick up the technique too. And for sure. 
And so I, my best event was discus. Um, I broke a school record, um, won a gold medal in um, districts and um, went to states as well. So um, that was a lot of fun. That's pretty awesome. They just pick you out of the weight room and then you go set records. <laughs> it was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I considered, you know, trying to do club like at Penn State or something. Right. I, I looked at the, the throwing um, scores and I was like, oh, I could maybe do this. But I was really busy with school and obviously rugby. And right. um, I also worked a job as well. So, yeah, no, that's a lot of time to dedicate to some to try to squeeze something else in there for sure, too. So Hope, what about rugby hooked you? And I guess when did you catch the bug? I like asking people this. The answer is always pretty mm. different. Was it after your first training? Was it your first match? Just kind of when did when did it when did you get the bug? And, and what about rugby like hooked you into the sport? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question because <clears throat> I think for me, like, it's probably changed. Like, mm-hmm. as as I've progressed along, I think like, you know, immediately what probably hooked me was um, like the physicality um, standpoint. I'm like, oh, like, I can tackle, like, mm-hmm. I can run with the ball and like, you know, knock people over. Like, this yeah. is fun. Um, and then like as the game as I started progressing in it, it was starting like learning about the game, like yeah. the like the intricacies of it. And and that's probably one of my favorite parts now, actually, is really studying the game and um knowing the game really well. Mm-hmm. Um and then also obviously like the the community um realizing that rugby I've been so blessed, like rugby has provided me so many opportunities. It's given me different family and friends, um, places to travel, you know, work, work, work experiences. Um, and so I, I love the community of it. And that's obviously probably a typical answer. But for me, it's probably one of the ones that has meant the most to me. Right. No, that's a very interesting answer, because I've never heard somebody say that, you know, the, the what they've liked about has evolved. And um, I appreciate I appreciate that answer. I think that's a great answer. That's probably one of the better ones we've got on the on the show so far. <laughs> so uh, I know you talked a little bit about Penn State already, but uh, how much did rugby play into your decision to go to Penn State? Like, was it a kind of a tough decision? Because I know just kind of doing some research on you, you were kind of contempla- contemplating taking a little bit different path in college. Is that right? Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I was not sure really where I wanted to go mm-hmm. um I think like growing up um I kind of was um really looking at Valley Forge Christian College um for children's ministry mm-hmm. um I, I really love working with kids um <clears throat> and my faith is a really big part of my life and so um it, that was kind of what I had in mind um and then I started playing rugby um and I kind of realized like Rugby had kind of, I'd like to say I didn't find rugby, that like rugby found me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was almost like God had opened up that door in a moment where like, I really needed it. Um, and so I just felt like that was um, a path for me. Right. Um, and so then kind of Valley Forge was kind of out of it. And then it was kind of deciding between um, a few other schools, um, whether um some of it had to do with like finances and things like that. And at the end of the day, I guess for me, I just knew that my path was probably Penn state. I really liked um, the quality of school that Penn state was, you know, being a big 10 school, you know, one of the biggest alumni networks 
Um, and then the education. So I, I got my degree in early childhood education. Right. Um, so just knowing that I had a really good education system and then also knowing that at the time, you know, it was one of the um, most dominant rugby programs. Yeah. And um, I just knew that if I wanted to reach my goals in rugby, that that was probably the path for me. Yeah. Um, and so I would say, yeah, rugby played a, a really big role in where I went to school. Yeah. Um, but wasn't the only factor. I, I did consider a lot of other things okay. at the time. So. Yeah, I know just kind of doing some research on, on Valley Forge and Penn State. What is the enrollment at Valley Forge? Like under 1,000 and Penn State was like 40,000. So that's kind of like <laughs> polar opposite, big, huge yeah. school to super small school. But Right. Yeah. And then and then Penn State didn't really even have like the like the children's kind of ministry sort of right. um, role. But um, – like I said, I think I just knew I, I love, absolutely love working with kids. Yeah. Um, absolutely love it. And I think for me, that was um, something I knew I wanted to do. And then it was just ended up in the teacher realm, which is also what I would love to do. I, I mean, I haven't fully done it yet. Yeah. <laughs> I still work with kids, but yeah. uh, <laughs> not necessarily. Well, in the you're yet. busy. I think you have an excuse. You got some other stuff going <laughs> on, right? That will, that will be there when you're done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what What do you, I guess, cherish most about playing rugby at Penn State? Was it, is it not losing a match for the whole time you were there or um, all those national championships? Like what, what do you, what do you remember like most about playing at Penn State? Um, probably two things. One would be uh, my teammates. Yeah. Um, I formed some very close friendships and families um, and bonds at Penn State that I still have today um, equally as close. Um, I mean, obviously like the winning, the winning was great, um, and the competition and playing, but at the end of the day, it was really the, the relationships that I built, um, mm-hmm. and how close, how close the alumni is. Um, I think like, um, that was a really big part of Penn state and still is a really big part of Penn state mm-hmm. is just the alumni network. And, um, it was like you, I learned very early that, you know, you, you play for something bigger than yourself. Um, and that that's what we were doing at Penn State is we always wanted to play for the people who came before us and paved the way for the people um, that would come after us. Hmm. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing I met, remember. Um, and then the second thing would just be my growth. Um, I, I, I don't think I'd be the player I am today without, like, the coaching and the, um, like I said, the relationships that I had built at Penn state. I, um, yeah, I've been very grateful and blessed for my college experience. For sure. And I think that that's kind of the perfect answer to segue into the next question is just, can you kind of talk about your, your rapid rise to the national team? Like what, what did your pathway look like? Um, you know, how, how did you kind of get seen? What, what was that like for you? Yeah. So in high school, I was playing, on the Pennsylvania and the um, Marfu All-Stars mm-hmm. um, team. And then um, from there, I got invited to a U-20 camp, which I did not get selected for, um, for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I had actually torn my ACL from 2011 to 2012. So it was my freshman year in um, college. Mm-hmm. So I made it, I recovered and made it back in time for the, um, last four games. So the, um, 
the playoffs and the the national championship that year. So I, I did mostly subbing in during those games. Right. Um, and I think during that time um, is when I kind of got asked to, in 2013, attend a USA um, senior side camp. Um, it's obviously very helpful when the coach of the national team is also <laughs> your college coach yes. because – he just sees you, right? Yeah, it, it, he sees you every he day. Just sees you. It's like a, it's a good and a bad thing. It's good in that like you get seen, right? But it's, it's also like there was a lot. It was a lot harder in some regards. Um, you know, to you really had to prove yourself because sure. it, it kind of had to be like a no question kind of situation. And obviously, he has like he had other staff as well who played a part in selections um, too. Um, so yeah, so I he invited me to a senior side camp and um pretty much I guess I was always told like you have a lot of potential. You you just need to get fit. <laughs> like I you know was carrying quote unquote extra baby fat at the time and um I just had to, you know, really work on my fitness. So I started really working hard on my fitness and um I'd gone to a camp um and then from there I actually got invited to my first um tour which was um, a domestic tour um, against France. And we just played France in a three round series. Um, And I got to sub in during one of those games. um, And that was that. And it's actually funny because I didn't even think about it until a couple of years ago, but I actually made the senior side national team before I made the U 20 team because (laughs) later on that year, so I, I played in that series and then I played, in a U20 series, and then we had another series for the senior team after that. Yeah. So it was a very busy summer, yes, but that it was like it. <laughs> it was a lot of growth, a yeah. lot of learning, and a lot of growth during that year. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Uh, Hope I wanted to ask you what what you remembered about your first cap. Was it was it kind of like scary, like when you when you subbed into this match? What, what do you remember about that? Um. Yeah, I was I was really nervous. It, <laughs> actually, I I was. So it was a three round series and the first game I actually was really, I got really sick for. Uh-huh. Um, and so I didn't play in that, in that first game. And then um, I was feeling better by the second game. And so um, the second game was actually my first cap. Um, I subbed in probably about like 20 minutes ago, 2030. I, I don't distinctly remember, mm-hmm. um, but I remember I subbed in and my first, my first contact bit was with, um, the French number eight at the time. Mm-hmm. And she is one of their, you know, more powerful runners, right, one right. of their stronger, um, stronger girls. And we just collided. And it was one of those moments where like, she didn't go forward or I didn't go, I didn't like make a positive <laughs> tackle. It's just like we hit and it was done. And I like felt like the wind was knocked out right. of me. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, welcome to international rugby. Like, yeah, it was and from there it was kind of almost even a little bit of a blur. I just remember like, um, I just remember like trying to keep up because like what I think what people don't realize all the time is like when you go from like one level to the next, the pace of the game just like increases and increases and increases. And yeah. so it's almost like, um, for me, I was just like, okay, keep up, keep up, keep up. Mm-hmm. And I think I did really well because I, what I do remember is after the game, um, Peter Bagata um, had come to me and said, well, if no one knows who Hope Rogers is, they're sure about to find out. <laughs> um, and and those words just really stuck with me because I think it was not necessarily like 
really about like building my name, but it was more about like, wow, like this person really believes in me to do right. it. Um, and sees like a really positive future for me. Yeah. And I think those words just really like carried with me yeah. as well. And I, I could so. imagine that, you know, you always have to get that, that first hit out of your system before any match, before you kind of settle in. And it sounds like there was no better hit than the one that you just described. <laughs> and it, it kind of sounds like you kind of proved it to yourself a little bit too, you know, like, I bet you you felt after like I, I can do this. I can play with these ladies. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I was like, I, I have to definitely work on my fitness, <laughs> but <laughs> but I can. I think I can do it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so hope the next thing I wanted to ask you about is like how you made the transition to the sevens program. Yeah, um, that was that was a good one. Um, <laughs> so I was one of the three slash four people that. Um, had gone out to Chula Vista for what was called like the 15s residency mm-hmm. and leading up to the 2017 World Cup. And it was only, uh, like I said, it was only like three, four of us. It was three and then it became four. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was essentially four of us who were just training here together and we lived in a house and um we were just asked by Richie Walker, who's the head coach of the sevens team, um, to play in a scrimmage um, with the sevens girls um, just to, like, get us some more rugby and to, yeah. like, I think help with uh, some numbers with him as well. And and so um, I remember, like, we're like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. And so we, we played in the scrimmage. And, um, you know, I, I was like, oh, this is sevens. I'm going to pass. Like, I'm going to pass the ball. And so I just, like, you know, I'm passing and, like, Ryan Carlisle looks at me at one point. She's like, Hope, run. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so I just start running. And, and um, I I think I was doing like really well in the, in the game. And um, a little bit after the game, or it may have been a few days, Richie Walker had just come to me and asked like if I wanted to be a part of the sevens program. Yeah. Um, and it was part-time a part of the sevens program. And at the time I was like, yeah, like, sure. And in my head, I'm like, sure, this sounds fun. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't like much attached to it, but as I started getting involved, I started realizing how much I actually loved sevens yeah. and was learning like a whole new skill set from like a 15s prop, like, you know, it's scrums and lineouts and, you know, yeah. certain things. And now I'm like passing and scrum have passing and, you know, all of these other things, other skills that you're learning and, um, I think then I, I kind of actually grew a, a strong passion and like want and desire for the sevens team. For sure. So, yeah, no, that's an interesting story. Uh, now I hope I wanted to take a second now. Uh, obviously we've got this, this program going on here at an infinity park right now. So I just wanted to kind of ask you a little bit about how camp's been going for you up to this point. Um, yeah, camp's been great. It's, um, it's been great and it's been a struggle, I yeah. would say. Um, it's been great because it's just amazing to, um, play rugby again right. and play rugby with people. Yeah. Um, I think I didn't realize, I knew like I was missing it, but I think I didn't realize how much I was missing it until I was here and I was like, wow, I really miss it. Yeah. Um, I mean, like at home I've been training and, um, my husband plays rugby as well. And so, him and I have been um, doing skills together, but it's still very different than obviously doing skills with a group of people and right. and playing. And so I really enjoyed like um, being around my teammates, uh, meeting some new girls that are here 
um, during the mini camp and then obviously catching up with some old friends and really just playing. But I guess I will say the, that it's been difficult as well. I, the altitude just really hit me hard. <laughs> like yeah. the hardest it's ever hit me, I think. Um, and so that's been a struggle to adjusting to the altitude. And I think like, obviously the training load is higher than um, like the load we have at home. And For so sure. I feel like my muscles aren't recovering. I mean, like, I know I'm getting old, but <laughs> I am like, I can't be this old. I right. just, like, you know, yeah. So. No, that's that's interesting. I was gonna ask you what your favorite part and the toughest part about camp was, but you you just kind of answered it right there, so that's perfect. <laughs> uh, the next question I had for you, for you, Hope, is is what's it like playing for Rob Kane? I know I had the chance to talk with Rob a few weeks ago. Uh, that was the first time I'd ever talked to him. He's a super nice guy. I just was kind of wondering if you could kind of tell us what it's like to play for him, what he's like as a coach. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, it's been really great to play for him and, and to be coached by him. I think one of my favorite parts is um, he really pushes us to work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, he pushes us, obviously, in the um, physical realm, in the um, mental realm. He really challenges us to know the game. He'll ask you a lot of questions, mm-hmm. like a ton of questions. He he really wants us to know and, and find the answers on our own. And, you know, they'll be there to help uh, help guide us there. Um, but he really pushes us hard. Um, but at the same time, like it's a ton of fun. Um, and I think that's been, um, just really great for me. Um, because I'm such a perfectionist. Yeah. Um, and I'm very hard on myself. And so sometimes I get so focused on the outcome that I'll lose sight of like the journey. Yeah. Um, and his, one of his biggest things is always reminding us like to have fun and enjoy the experience and the journey as well. Yeah. Um, and so I love the balance between all of the hard work that we're putting in and that he's asking of us. Um, but also reminding us that it's about having fun and enjoying it as well. Yeah. Um, so I think that's been really great. I think like I've been really blessed with really great coaches, um, over my years, um, that you really want to work hard and play for. Um, and I think Rob would definitely fall into that category of a coach that, you know, just because of who he is and how much time he clearly invests in us because he truly cares about us and wanting us to be the best we can be. And he works hard for that. Um, it's just someone you really want to play for and, uh, and succeed for as well, which has been great. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I said, I, I only had the chance to talk with him a couple of weeks ago. It was the first time I ever talked to him. But just reading up on him and, and kind of his different philosophies and then getting the chance to chat with him, he seems like a, a very interesting guy and just kind of like a different coach that I haven't really experienced in my time either playing or, or working in sports. So uh, I think thank you for sharing that answer with us. And then, Hope, the last question I wanted to ask you before I let you go, uh, it's just how are you feeling about, you know, things as the World Cup kind of creeps up? It, it's been a weird year. Uh, and then I guess the follow-up question to that is like, what does the success that you, that your team had in 2017 um, do for you all as you prepare for 2021? Is that is that success kind of in the back of your mind, like a driving factor as you're all working out in this camp and getting ready for next year? Um, yeah, I would say the the major <clears throat> excuse me feeling that kind of is creeping up is actually um, I guess I would say two things. One would be excitement. Yeah. Um, it's like you know four years is like you're building towards something and 
it's like as it gets closer it's just more and more excitement of like wow like this is what i've been working for it's 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 almost coming like it's kind of like that time where you really just got to put in the grind um and finish grinding it out Mm -hmm. um so i would say like definitely excitement but i would also say a little bit of anxiety too um obviously as world cups creeps closer you know, um, selections start to come out. Um, you know, the, the pool starts to narrow a little bit. Um, and so there's always like, um, fear around like selections and, um, even probably more so than that, just like, I think fear around just performance. I think COVID obviously put a, um, you know, put a hurdle in our block of, um, not able to play this year as much. Um, and then obviously like, other teams and countries like some of our biggest competitors are right. are kind of playing in a series and um we, you know we're very blessed to have this camp here in Glendale um and be training um just to get us playing and get us moving and working with each other right um and i think like to answer the following question of um building on the 2017 world cup i think i think it is and it isn't i think it is in the sense of you know, in 2017, um, you know, we, we were very successful in the sense of we, um, we ranked fourth Mm -hmm. in the world cup and that was uh, the best, um, that we have done as a national team at a world cup, I believe since like 98, whenever the team ranked second. Um, so it's been a while since we've ranked in the top four. Um, and I think this year, like for me, um, you know, being a part of the 2017 World Cup success, um, I do want to build on top of that. You know, yeah. like I kind of stated with Penn State, it's a very similar thing on the national team where, like, you really play for the people who've come before you and you and you play for the people still to come. And so um, you want to end the people with you now, obviously. For sure. Um, and so I think, like, we really want to pave the way and have success to obviously help the next generation of players that's coming through. Um, and I think that where the difference might lie is, is like you may have stated earlier is, um, Rob's approach, yeah. um, is very different than, um, my last two cycles through the world cup in 2014 and 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while we are, I think building on the success of, um, the 2017 world cup team, um, you know, we're, we're approaching it a little bit differently, um, which I think we're hoping to be even more successful, um, right. from that approach. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, well, that's all the questions I had for you, Hope. I, I'm very excited to see, uh, I'm looking forward to the World Cup next year. I'm excited to see how these changes factor in, into some of these results, but I'm um, wishing you the best of luck in camp and moving forward. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat with me, Hope. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having us and all you do for the game of rugby. So. Awesome. Thank you. All right, I hope everyone enjoyed that conversation with Prop for the United States Women's and Nationals 15s and 7s teams, Hope Rogers. Um, I know I certainly did. I hope you did as well. Thank you again to Hope for taking the time out of her day for that conversation. Um, I certainly enjoyed it. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and kick it to the required reading portion of the show. I'll give you the week off again. It's been a busy week for me at least, so I, I would assume it's a busy week for you as well. But if you haven't, go check out the article in The Guardian uh, again, it's entitled Major League Rugby Faces a Pandemic and Corrosive Politics, written by Martin Pangeli, dropped uh, yesterday morning on Wednesday, uh, early in the morning. So that's in The Guardian. I'll link that in the uh, article that houses this podcast, of course. 
uh, and then you can read it and you can make your own decisions off it. You can do your own research and and you don't have to listen to me talk about, you know, what I think about it. Uh, so with that, go ahead and finish the show the same way we do every week with the loop. So nothing really big to report on here in the loop on my end. Uh, we'll have some Rugby Town Crossover Academy content coming out here in the next few weeks. Just kind of waiting for that camp to get a little bit closer. I'm going to try to get something written up on the World 10 Series here in the next day or so. Try to have that ready for you all on Saturday. Uh, just kind of depending on the, you know, information I can get access to to put something together. But uh should be interesting. I know Nick Boyer, friend of the program, he's playing in that competition with Miami Suns. Um, so could be something to watch if you know like I said if you're looking for something to watch could be something out there but again I'll try to get all that information for you so you know what's going on um, as always follow along on Twitter at the NVR underscore rugby and at Colton Strickler always working uh, hard to bring you some good interviews for the podcast looking for some good written stuff to write up um, and I've been recently trying to Get some more people on the Twitter account trying to fire up the, the old meme tactic. It seems to be – people seem to be enjoying it, so I'll keep that up as well. Um, so before I sign off, I want to take a minute to touch on the wildfires that are happening here in Colorado. It's heartbreaking stuff, obviously. I know last night was was tough to see Grand Lake get burned up the way it did. That's something – I think that's a place that means a lot to a lot of different people here in Colorado. And uh, like I said, it's tough to see – that go up in, in flames like that, and all these people have to, you know, have their house literally burned down, um, everything that they've worked for, and, and that's tough, obviously. So um, I know DNVR has taken it upon themselves to, to start a Twitter thread. They've tracked down all these different links and, and resources that we can donate to to help these communities and these people get back on their feet. And it sucks now. It's just another curveball in what's already been a horrible 2020 but this too shall pass and we will build it back up together um, we just need to all help each other out right now so if you have the means uh, please consider donating to that just to help these people get back on their feet and get these communities back up and running as quickly as they can um, so we'll link to that as well in the article um, but you can track that down on dnvr's twitter account they, they made a big thread and i'd recommend doing that if you obviously if you have the means to do so would be greatly appreciated so with that that's my show uh thank you to everyone for listening hope you had a great week hope you have a great weekend and i'll catch you all back here next week yeah.